Welcome to Happy Path Programming. I'm Bruce Eckle. I'm James Ward. So today we're interviewing Bill Venners, who I have known for, my gosh, more than- 97 years. Well, I think 20 plus years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has to be. 25 years, maybe. How did you guys first meet? I don't know if I've heard the story. Bill knew about thinking in C++ and he reached, didn't Sue like tell you, you should just reach out to me. And then I think you showed up at my house in my dad's house in La Mesa. That's what I remember. What I, uh, what I remember is I was working on my first book, which was the JVM one, you know, that Java inside the Java machine. And I looked at thinking in C++ and I thought it was good writing. And so I, Mm -hmm. I came up to you after you gave a talk at some, what was the name of those conferences? But I came, I came up oh, to the you software and, development conference. And I was kind of like interested in like how you write paragraphs, I think mm-hmm. is what, what uh, was our first meeting. It was, what was the name of the conference? The software SD. development conference. Yes. SD. That's right. Yes. Software development. Yeah. That's where yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. But then we, we started teaching together. Remember we do, uh, we did the, th- uh, the, the design class together and, yep. and then we decided that we, we evolved to bike trips together. Right. So we did that. We and then, <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to mention spitting the dummy. So we took that, we did that three week. It was just you and I, we flew yeah. to New, the South Island of New Zealand and we were there for three weeks and we yep. rode all around and those people told us, oh, because we would get up and we would drink coffee and we'd get all jazzed and we'd be talking and then we would eventually drift apart and somebody was riding or driving or something. And later they said something to us and they go, we thought you'd spit the dummy. And we, we said, what the heck does that mean? And, they, and, and we still like, I don't know how many people who are British or even New Zealander that you've asked about that. Yeah. And only a few of them know what it means. Hmm. But when they told us about it, it was like, oh yeah, everybody knows this phrase, spit the dummy. And, and what it means is so a dummy is like a dummy breast, like a, like a fake breast. So it's, it's a pacifier. And so if you spit out your pacifier, it means you're, you know, mad or angry, you're you know, you're, you're not having a good time. Yeah. And you usually start crying. Yes. Yes. There's crying. We weren't, we hadn't spit the dummy. We had just, you know, we just like to be in our own space in the afternoon when we're writing. That was mm-hmm. that what we told them. Right, right. But, uh, so, yeah, we had a wonderful trip over there. Oh, my gosh, that was great. <laughs> and then we did another one in Europe. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Was that along some river? It was along the Danube. It yeah. was no, between... It was the now. The, the <laughs> Donau? Oh, okay. No, that's the same thing. Um, the, yeah. Yeah, we went from... Um, well, I went from Vienna to Budapest. You, I think, rode all the way from Prague to Vienna, didn't you? I don't remember even why. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah. Uh, way back. It was quite an adventure. It was a long time ago. And I don't remember the last time I was even in Crested Butte now. It seems like forever. Yeah. It does seem like a while. It is. Uh, I think I met you maybe in Crested Butte the first probably. time yeah. at one of your conferences that you did with, um, with Martin. Yes. Yes. One of the early ones. Yeah. Yeah. Did you come to me? I think so, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I met you at one of those Martin Bruce conferences. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Martin Fowler. 
Not but, well uh, since we have anyway, more than we've known each other a long time. All of us. Yeah, we uh, have. Well, yeah. I was thinking back to when we started doing flex stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The three of us yep. on Artima, we did some articles yep. and stuff on Artima around flex, yep. and that mm-hmm. was that was I think the the time when I um, started to get to know you a lot better was working mm-hmm. on that stuff. With you. Yeah, because you you set up Artima when blogging was still relatively new, right. and you. Yeah wanted to create a platform for people to blog on and lots of yep. people did. Yeah, that's right. And then yep. eventually everybody just kind of drifted off to their own yeah. Twitter software. It was the worst software I ever wrote actually. <laughs> Is it still running though? Uh, yeah. Just to keep them up there. They're still there. Yeah. Right. So uh, hey, I replaced it. It'd be the worst yeah. ever if it's running 15 yeah, years later or something. You know, that's the thing about, see, that's something that, uh, I have learned over the time is that, uh, we all complain about like, you know, thought leaders or whatnot complain about how crappy software is and you should do software better. But, uh, crappy software like makes a lot of money in production. Yeah. I've found, and you know, I'm like, I've seen software that's like just all the horrible things you, we hear about and talk about and, but it's making lots and lots of money in production and then, and it just works. Well, no, no, sometimes bugs happen (laughs) and then they fix them. And, but when was the last time you had to fix a bug in Artima? Uh, well, we have new software, <laughs> so we fix bugs all the time. Uh, I mean, probably in the matter of like weeks or months ago. No, we, on artima.com on the blog yeah, site. Like the, no. So like there's new software. What I did is I, let's see, we have Tomcat running kind of in the background to serve up old content that we haven't moved over to the new system. Uh, but we like moved all the articles over to the new system. Okay. We didn't move the blog posts over yet. Yet. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, uh. You know, it's all still there. Everything anyone ever wrote is there. Um, yeah. And uh, I migrated my blog recently from WordPress to Hugo. Uh-huh. And it was one of those things that I just had put off for years and years. I'm like, I got to just get off WordPress and, you know, I'm, it can be a static site. So yeah. I, I think I originally had tried Jekyll and, and got like 80% of the way there and then gave up and then. And then did the same thing with Hugo. And then like years later, I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. So then I finally like did that last 20% that was, you know, most like 10 X the time of the first 80% and yeah. got it all done, got it all running. And, um, and I'm like, why did I spend all that time? Do-? Like WordPress was fine. Like I could have yeah. just left it on WordPress. But, yep. Yeah. So, and then your Scala book, Tell me That's the title again. Programming in Scala with an N, I-N, in the middle. Because there's also Programming Scala. And there was, oh. there was two books called Programming Scala and one book called Programming in Scala. Okay. Why not Programming that. with Scala? There was no none of those, but see, that's still available. Yeah. yeah. And, so this was the one with the stairs on the front. And that yeah. it was, now you did a second edition of that? And a third and a fourth, and I'm just finishing the fifth which will be uh, about Scala 3. And that was like that's the a major rewrite. That's a big rewrite. It is a big rewrite. And then we took the opportunity to rewrite because um, it's a different time. So it, it's uh, if one thing that happened is it split into two because it was already a fat book. It's like, it was, mm-hmm. I can yeah. tell you exactly, but it was 800 some odd pages. Wow. And, you know, to add more material, because now in, in Scala 3, one of the things that happened is... Um, macros became like metaprogramming became official. Whereas before in Scala two, it was experimental. So we didn't cover it. 
Right. So I felt I, well, first of all, it's really interesting and I want to cover it. Um, but I can't add 200 pages. I mean, I do have one book, maybe two on my shelf that has a thousand pages, but that's ridiculous. Yeah. So I divide it into two. And so now the programming in Scala is going to have 650 pages, like 200, 150 pages fewer. And then there's a whole second book, which will have 400 odd pages, probably. That's and that's the thing. metaprogramming. So instead advanced, of programming in Scala, it'll be metaprogramming in Scala. Or advanced. We called it advanced because it is advanced. It's more like library designer kind of stuff. Yeah. And it also makes it, I thought, I mean, I thought our book was look, made Scala look a little intimidating because it's like, oh my God, 800 pages. You know, I don't, I don't have time to read 800 pages. So if it's like... <laughs> 600 it's kind of psychological right if it's 600 pages it's just like fat enough to feel like wow i can learn a lot but not oh my god you know so mm. that's sort of you know part of it too was just uh, a lot of people don't care about this advanced stuff and then and we don't need to clutter up their yeah. life with stuff they don't care about that's really more the domain of people who are writing libraries they use you know, you use libraries and those people know about the metaprogramming and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have to think about it. So that, that was kind it's, of the. It's funny because Oderski likes to talk about how small the specification for the Scala language is. Yeah. But then if you compare the size of that specification to the size of his book, you're yeah. like, okay, there's kind of two, there's two sides of the story. Yeah. I mean, in the original Scala, like Scala 2, the. The grammar was quite, it was smaller than other languages. Python was smaller, huh. but Python was, I mean, Java, C sharp, they're all really much larger. But I know Scala 3, I think, has changed that because he's supporting both Scala 2 and the new syntax. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's gotten a lot more complicated, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how long, I mean, you know, the official Scala 3 just came out like, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. So yeah. how long have you been working on this book? It seems like a lot. Uh, well, the fifth edition I've been working on, you know, it, honestly, it, it kind of was a, a well time for me in the that when the pandemic hit and I couldn't do any, you know, travel. So I, uh, uh, it gave me something to focus on. So for that year, that was my project, most of my main focus. Hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it was we went through every single page, every everything and redid not just like this, the examples, but also the focus, because in 20, 2007, when we were working on this one, Java, you know, like dynamic languages, Python, Ruby, Ruby was kind of like a craze. And and definitely, you know, we were appealing to Java people. And now there's a lot of data scientists who know Python, who don't know Java, who are kind of like only interested in Scala because Spark has Scala. Um, because they want to run data stuff, you know, processing on JVMs essentially is what um, yeah. draws them. So it's a different audience. And, 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 uh, so it's less Java focused. It's also less Java focused in terms of not just examples, but, uh, it's more functional. You know, I think when, when we first wrote this, it, because functional wasn't in the brain of Java people as much. You know, there are a lot of mutable yeah. examples all through this thing because that's what people yeah. are familiar with. Well, now you needed to bridge of, their knowledge to to Scala. Yes, and, to, and now your your focus is not so much on that bridge. Well, it's a bridge, but the people—it's like a different the people time. have changed. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. like Java got lambdas, and there, you know, there's streams, and there's you know map and flat map, and you know, I mean, it's just different now. So, you know, we changed the. Uh, 
Yeah. The uh, emphasis and and then just made them a lot more functional, a lot less mutation uh, in there. Nice. Do all of your examples use the significant indentation? Yeah. It's so nice. It's so it makes clean. it actually it looks wonderful. more concise in the book, actually, because it's less vertical space. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. The closed curly race, that was what was... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think of all it's the lines that, that are saved. Environment, I guess. But what did you do with the functor syntax? Because that's the thing we ran into. You know, we started working on a Scala 3 book, and then we, uh, we bailed on that idea, and we'll talk about our new idea in a little bit. But but it was the, the functor syntax where, like, Okay, so we're just only going to reference functions for functors so that we don't have to use braces for them. Was <laughs> think where we ultimately landed for that, but but then we've moved on since. But yeah, I there is some compiler flag you can turn on some experimental language yeah. change to to not use braces on the functors, but yeah, I don't know. I I just yeah. no, I, I did I did. Um... Ask Martin. I, I wanted to show his preferred style, and, and obviously he prefers this because he was the one, the main person pushing for uh, indentation, yeah. yeah, sensitive, and um, and it's nice. What what what? Like the problem I have is there's an end, an optional end, yeah, and so really I'd like to show that when it's a, above a certain amount of weight, but sometimes it pushes the the, the example onto the next page, and so I don't <laughs> and. So I'm like, ah, so that's one thing I'm struggling with. Like we, we, I plan to send this to the printer Tuesday. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Nice. So, so that means that week it'll come in. It takes me a while to get all the eBooks out, but you know, like within a week, you know, they'll be on Amazon and, and all that. And you can already buy it in places because the, you know, it's been announced the yeah. paper book, but, um, like pre-order it, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I, mean, I need to think about page wrapping issues with, with code yes, and how yeah. things wrap. Yeah. Well, and so that like what I, yeah. And you know, how, remember that, that who's the guy that said the medium is the message. Um, Marshall, Marshall McLuhan. McLuhan. Yeah. So I never understood that until I started doing layout for a book and I, you know, like to get rid of an orphan, which is just like one, mm. one word at the end of a paragraph, I would rewrite the paragraph. I would yeah. change the paragraph. So it's like the medium was forcing me to say something different. And this is, a, you know, it's the same thing with uh, layout. Going, that, that is layout. I call that layout process, which we do the very end. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so this putting the end, speaking of end, the little end keyword, and it's not just end, it's end, like Ruby has an end at the end, yep. which I think is very pretty. Skull has end uh, token. So you have to say end while or end you know, Fred oh, class Fred, what it is that you're ending. Yeah, that's right. So that, but it is, it does help find a end marker and it, it, you know, I mean, kind of visually, and I wanted to show in the book, good style. And I'm having, that's what I'm struggling with right now. Like the last few days is, is putting ends on things where they don't fit, you know, mm -hmm. anyway, that's, uh, cause I'm used to Python, so I don't mind not having ends on things. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we like this, you know, the most compact. I just find the fewer lines that you have in an example, the less intimidating it is. You go, okay, I can stare at this for a while. And like you say, if it if it goes over to another page, it's kind of like, oh, that's too bad. 
because then the person has to flip back and forth. So you so, aim for not having any code wrapping across pages? Or? I would. I mean that that would to, to me being able to sit and stare at an example without having to turn pages is helpful. Yep. So, well, I try to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I allowed, I think, in this fifth edition to wrap was some Java code. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's just no, that's great. It wasn't. It's just yeah. like, oh, whatever. It was it's sometimes it's hard, and if it's at the, if, you know when you look at the in the ebook, of course, you have to flip to the next page. But in the paper book, if it's like bottom and top, you can actually kind of see it. Uh, right. Uh, you know, if it's a, in a, open on the same spread. Just as a joke, you have like like five pages in the book of Java with getters and setters, just to show <laughs> how horrible no, it is. Uh, See, we do still compare to Java. I'm trying to remember what that one was about, but there are a few little things. This is, you know, places where we say this is Java, um, because Java is still Java. I mean, it's it's like the 800 pound gorilla. Yeah. So it's still it's not like I got rid of all Java. Yeah, uh, it's important. It's important. And actually, it's kind of hard to get rid of some of them. Um, and not, and it really is still, you know, a lot of people who read this will be familiar with Java still. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, I was just going to say, Bruce, that the uh, I remember when we were talking about Python a long, long time ago and, and indentations, and I, th- I was thinking that my first thought was, oh, this is great. You don't ever have to argue about, you know, where to put the open curly brace anymore, that that solves that. But then right. I noticed that Guido like would say that he can tell if he's working on open source or Google stuff, whether it's two, din- two, two spaces of indentation or four spaces. Four. <laughs> so, of course, in the Scala community we've had that argument of like how many spaces of indentation. And one thing that I, I noticed about Python is it's usually four. Mm-hmm. And that I think helps you see that the, it ends here. And yes. in Scala, we really like two, but now but it's harder to visually see. Yeah. That. I wonder if that won't change over time because we're used to two because we've had the curly brace yeah. to end yeah. it. Yeah. And now that people huh. begin to, you know, see the meaningful indentation they might maybe, move to four. Maybe SPT did it right with three. <laughs> three is the nice well, balance. For a while, Martin put the examples all three huh. for, like, for like a month, and then he changed it back to two. <laughs> um, and so, what uh, the other the other thing people pointed out is Python. Even, and we talked about Python being four space and dense. And one of the things that people said is it's different. Python is very imperative: do this, do this, do this. Where Scala is functional, where you string things together, like map, flap, map, map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was like it is different. Like the the. So yeah. So anyway, I think it'll be interesting to see what people do with Scala three uh, over time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to predict where things will land. So but when we, will people be able to get the book? Well, they can buy a preprint already. And uh, the official final release will be next week, I think. Wow. I'm nice. still waiting for like a piece of something that ha- hasn't come in yet that's, that I can't write myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, so I'm hopeful I get that. <laughs> if I don't get that, I don't know what uh, I'll do exactly. But uh uh, the plan is Tuesday. I send this to the printer because wow. we, you know, we got uh, that's what we told them. Nice. So you spent um, quite a bit of time on this over the last year. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing that. Uh, that's cool. Has Martin been pretty involved, or no? He has been you. So he 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 wrote about half this book originally. Yeah, um, and I think he helped with the other editions, but the last edition you had a third uh, third co-author on the first one, right? Yeah, Lex Spoon. Yeah, so he Lex okay. didn't this time. This is the first time Lex didn't uh, 
help. He was too busy. Um, so other than looking at, you know, pull requests and whatnot and giving comments, snide comments, yeah, yeah. helpful comments. <laughs> Like last night or like two days ago, he said, oh, my God, comment. OK, so another thing that happened, and this is I mean, this is the kind of thing that Bruce and I used to love to talk about. So in Kotlin, you can say comma, you know, all Kotlin very well. Like when you say that, like uh, something instead of extends, it's a colon, I think. Yeah. And then you just list them at the comma, like after implements in Java, it's a comma B comma C. Well, Scala was always with with with, which is right. Marvelous. Mm-hmm. So in Scala 3, you can use commas there, which looks a little bit more like Kotlin. You still say extends, which is like Java. So it's just yeah. kind of like Java without the word implements. Is what, what about and? Why not and? Because in the type in the type uh, parameter, it's and, right? Instead of with? Or you can, use, you can either there, use and or with. There is a, the there's a reason. Ampersand is uh, A and ampersand B is the same type as B ampersand A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Whereas, oh, but because of the, the diamond problem, yeah, you have to specify precedence. Order matters, so it probably yeah, shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But that thought crossed my mind too. But that's that's uh, that's why I think it's good. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's that's good. good. Yeah, because that would violate the algebraic rule of and. So. In Java, Kotlin, everybody uses commas. It's more concise. So he added that, but it, it, there was a nice. Well, and I guess that the comma implies order, like in a list, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. But there's a a, a anonymous class, anonymous, what's it called? Anonymous instance expression. I just looked at the name last night. Um, it's like an anonymous class expression where you say new Fred, and that's an interface, you know? Yeah, you can say yeah. new Fred with A with B. Like that, that actually yeah. is something. That doesn't work with commas. Oh, interesting. Oh, Forevermore, yeah, there'll be two ways to do it, which is oh, very That's unfortunate. So I'm kind of like, you know, do we really need commas there? That's sort of like my opinion. But on the other hand, what Lex said when he saw that, because I, I, I went this like last, oh, I don't know, four days ago, I emailed Martin saying, you know, I, I was kind of like not so gung-ho about the commas myself, and I left those as widths. And I mm-hmm. said, wait a minute, probably he wants commas. So I asked him, and he said yes. So I, I changed it. It was a real easy change. Um, and Lex saw that. He goes, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. You know, we're gonna like how could we're gonna think how how do we live without that for so long without yeah. the comments? You know, he really yeah. Liked it. yeah. So it's anyway, not... it's uh, I don't know. I I think it it's uh, Scala three had the straitjacket of compatibility, yeah. Uh, and so what Martin did is is to some extent added made things better without breaking old ones, which means now there's it's bigger. Sure. Yeah. But you're saying that now when you do a inline uh, anonymous inline class. Yeah, you have to use with. So right. now there's an inconsistency. Yes, and is that that's just that can't be fixed? Well, not anymore. The only way to fix that is not have commas. Oh, so he couldn't he couldn't fix it for that case. No, because you know, imagine you have a list, right? And you want to put in as one of the elements of the lists, new A with B with. You get a right. You, yeah, you get a parse ambiguity. Unless, mm. unless you put parens, but I think actually if you put parens around it. Anyway, I, I, there, I it's possible it could have been with parens, but that's just hard. People would be upset. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well. Yeah. Huh. So my yeah. my intuition would be just let leave with there. Mm-hmm. So it's consistent. Like the commas, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I can see. I guess there's always, I mean, when you, when you create such an experimental language and then you make such a big change as in Scala three, there's going to be some yeah. compromises. And well, it's and you just, find these corner cases that you didn't think about. Yeah. 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 It's just the price you pay. So what's your, um, what are your favorite features in Scala three? I'm interested in like what's in the advanced book, which um, I think will be a very fun book to work on because um, uh, for example, there's a compile, you can uh, track um, how would you, you can do math on thing at, on literals at compile time. Well, certainly it's so you, so I did, you know, in the REPL, I made a, a list that tracks its length. Um, so I really want to experiment with, uh, that stuff a lot. I'm, I'm quite interested in that. And, um, it's like the, like what, what you see in dependently type languages like mm-hmm. Idris, uh, they all have one, they have list is usually not, what they usually do is they call list something that doesn't track its length and vector something that does for some huh. reason. But, um, so I'm interested in that. Um, all the metaprogramming things, I mean, I, I, we did a lot of macros in Scala two, but mostly Chi Sing did that in Scala test. I delegated that. So, um, I really kind of want to get to know, I, I, I got, I, I myself got interested in type theory through Scala. And so I did a lot of reading on of papers and, and books, you know, about type theory. So I kind of want to keep going in that direction, which is trying to f- map what's in Scala three to the, the theories, the different kinds of, uh, little languages that research languages people have studied. Um, and, uh, I think it's, we don't, we don't really have like value dependent types. I guess you're saying maybe in Scala no. three, we can get almost to value dependent types or, um, well, see, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's some mapping between those, but I, I uh, like, like the, the theory level path is... dependent types in Scala are not like regular dependent types. Mm. Uh, but they do kind of what what they do is is uh, like if I uh, uh, a path dependent type is involves a type member, so I can take take a, a term like an X, and I say dot, and then F or like Fred, and that's a type. Fred is a type, so X dot Fred is like some abstract type um, that has a name. Fred is the name of that thing, and so I can access it on a ver- on a term, which is a variable. Yeah. So that's like a value. So it's like, like this type depends on that value. But the way it's done is because Scala has subtyping is when you, when you pass one of those in at each call site, it says, okay, what's the actual subtype of X and what type makes sense for that subtype? So, you know, over here, when you're, you know, at the method itself, you don't know what Fred is. It's abstract. But at each call site, it can be something different, something more yeah. specific that depends on what's passed in. So that's like not real dependent types. Yeah, but it's close in a way. You can kind of achieve some of the same kinds of things, um, and so then I what they added, um, Paul Snively and Amanda Lockler yes. uh, yep. did a talk about dependent types a while back at um, what's the one in St. Louis, the conference there. Oh, that's Strange Loop. Strange, Strange Loop, yeah. Uh, and so they talked about like the four, the four different pieces to dependent types. And I don't remember the talk, but it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, path dependent types was one. Uh, there's there was two others that Scala has, and then the value dependent types was the one that Scala didn't really have. 
does not have yet. Well, Martin said, Martin in the like compiler, there's a comment where I watched it, you know, they gave some videos about like walking through the compiler and there's those four things It's like type spinning on terms, or they call it index by types, index by terms, types by types, you know, terms by terms, and then terms, but say types by terms is the ones that's no, yeah, missing. And he said, but we may have that something (laughs) (laughs) just in case we have that, we left that here or something, but yeah. Um, but I was going to say that what, what got added in Scala 3 is, is literal, let's see, singleton types for literals, uh, well, for ints, yeah. for example. Um, that's new. What, um, what you had in Scala 2 was something called a singleton type, which is a type that has one value in it. Like just unit, for example, is the canonical one. There's just one value. A unit itself is kind of a singleton type because there's just one instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the number one, the int one conceptually is a singleton type, but you couldn't you couldn't say that in the type system of Scala two, but you can now in Scala three. I can say the type of this variable is actually one, and so the only value has to be one. So at the type level, I'm tracking an int, and two is a different. It's like a subtype of int. One is a subtype of int. It's one specific int that just has one instance in it. And so now you can actually say val x colon one equals one. And that type level one is, is you can do math on it. Yeah. So if I have, you know, I can actually have a type parameter for my vector, let's say, and it's tracking the length and it has to be one of these singleton types up at int that happens to be positive. Right. And, uh, so then when you concatenate two of these, you can add them yeah. and like saying, okay, then the new list has this length, uh, if you want. So I just, nice. I think that's going to be very fun to toy with. Um, and then there's there's uh, like multiverse. The only thing I've used so far is multiversal equality because Scala test testing you you're always doing assertions. You're like comparing things for equality. So we wanted to use that to get the type check. So we it's a type class called yeah. uh, can equal can equal. Thank you. And um, uh, so you know our assertions in Scala three just magically start taking that. That's cool. Which means Scala, cool. Te- Scala test is a mess of if defs. Essentially, yeah. if, if you're JavaScript, you do this. If you're Scala three, you do that. And yeah, uh, so that's one of the things. So now that, with the derived type classes and can equal, that gets cleaned up a lot in Scala test. Uh, well, no, because we support Scala two. I mean, I, yeah, right. Yeah, and I think we will for a really, really long time because yeah. a lot of people won't upgrade projects, you know, ever. Yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners who don't know, you also created Scala test, right? Yeah. She's a fantastic testing library. But it's been kind of like um, hard to work on for a while just because of how big the test matrix is. And there's there's Scala.js. We support 210 to 11 to 12 to 13 and Scala 3 now. Scala.js, JVM, and Scala Native. Oof. Yeah. And it's a big code base anyway. And so it's just, it's like moving... um, it's like pushing against a boulder, you know, trying to move it forward. But I think uh, after this book's out, I actually want to spend a few months on Scala tests because just for fun. And uh, there's a bunch of features that have been like 80% implemented that I want to complete. And, uh, you know, some of that will be exploring new things in Scala 3, like getting can equal used in more assertions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like we never had a differ. I mean, we actually had a differ. 
like you can get a diff of case classes if you have a, but, um, I didn't release it cause it used reflection and I'm like, it mm. seems this wrong. Felt wrong. Yeah. So I'm curious about looking at, um, some Scala three metaprogramming features to see if that's to see a if you can do it better, Scala different three, maybe, yeah. just three, maybe. Yeah. And maybe not. I mean, Scala test is just pragmatic. And so maybe I'll just, but I want to like to do something one or the other. So we have that diffing. Now you had a guy in um, Malaysia, right? Yeah. Yep, Who, yeah. And he, is that Scala test mostly what he works on? No. Uh, it's a, he, he does most of the work on Scala tests the last few years, just cause it's so much work. Uh, it's like a full-time job, mm-hmm. um, but he also does client work when we have, uh, you know, oh. contracts and he does um works on the website and he even worked on the book like like the extraction of examples you know like that kind of build stuff he works on that stuff now like he just last night was working on uh we added a few chapters like we took out chapters that were going to go in advance and then we added a few and so those weren't in the examples build so he he does that kind of stuff and nice. also He's just really uh, a pleasure, to joy to work with. He's worked, uh, I, he's been with us for, I don't know how long, long time. Um, and you kind of mentioned that you do Scala consulting. So you've, yeah. you, you have some projects going on currently. Anything Not in many, Scala? No, no in, in our pandemic year, that slowed down, which gave me uh, <laughs> book time. Book time. Yeah. That's why it was mm-hmm. uh, nice. Yeah, I had the same experience with the um, Atomic Kotlin book because I was able to finish it during the pandemic year. And it was just nice to have something to work on that made you feel normal. Yeah. That was that was my experience. Yeah. I didn't, it, it didn't make me feel normal, but it, it was nice to have it, really, I have to say. Yeah. And we got, I mean, we had, I, I was at a, st- my wife and I were at a stage of our lives where, it wasn't such a bad thing. We had a house mm-hmm. and we like each other's company and we just had a wonderful year together, to be honest. Nice. The main downside for me was my dad. I would have liked to have spent more time with him. Um, so I'm like, I'm sending the book to the printer on Monday. I'm flying to see him on, t- no, on Tuesday, Monday's a holiday. And then I'm flying to see him on Wednesday for the first time since this all started. It's my first wow. flight. Wow. And he had, he nice suffered um, just because his the timing of the pandemic in his life like was really bad because nobody could visit him. Oh man. And yeah. That's right. So well, it kind of got impacted in different ways. Yeah. And I think we're like a little bit irrational now about fear of like, we're vaccinated and we're still like, you know, try, I think for, I, for a few months we, we just kind of don't want to do anything anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's back in slowly. Yeah. 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 That's true. So, um, do you have, um, like, so you haven't really started working on the, what the, the advanced. No, not really. It's, it's in the build and, and it has the chapters that were there before. Um, uh, that one I think will be a little bit more like, like the original one was where there was, everybody was really like involved in it with the backtalk. So Bruce and I talked about backtalk and I think you came up with the name backtalk. Bruce, mm-hmm. and I think you built a system. So we I built did that. using Zope. 
years so, ago. Wow. I, I know it was, it was crazy. I actually, uh, Chris, <laughs> oh no, we use, I don't know, we use Zope or Plone or one of those, one yeah. of those things. And Chris McDonough came up here for, I don't know, a week and we worked on this yeah. thing. So you could, uh, you could, um, give feedback through web pages or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. and now there's other systems that do that, but unfortunately not nearly as universal as one would hope. Yeah. It'd be nice if you could do it on any page. Well, we did it in Java. Right. Back then uh, for the yeah. original book, that was 2007, 2008, got tons of feedback and it still works. So uh, we're still getting feedback and it really is, is, is wonderful. I mean, if they find typos, they, find things that are confusing, just the tiniest little things are like not accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that helps the quality of the book a lot, having that interaction. So I'm hoping the advanced book, cause that's like really new territory for most people mm -hmm. um, that will get that kind of enthusiasm. Uh, whereas the, the plain old programming in Scala, there's a lot of people who know Scala already. And I, I you know, it wasn't like uh like the first time, <laughs> right? Enthusiasm wasn't yeah. like that. Um, well, we're planning on putting our book. We're we're just going to make the Git repo um, public, so that people will be able oh, to see the to see the chapters yeah. as we're developing them and give us feedback through mm -hmm. Git. So we're not going to invent a new system oh, for it. Git is great. Yeah, uh, it's I a really pull request or yeah. Yep. Whatever. It is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a fun experiment. Like yeah. That. Cause we're writing it in, um, we're just using Markdown. Mm -hmm. And so Git just displays, oh, yeah. it does. GitHub yeah. just displays yeah. Markdown. So it's readable. And that mm -hmm. way it'll be, um, you know, anybody can look at it while it's under development. So we were going to write atomic Scala three and then, we got a little ways into it and one, we realized that your book was going to be all that anyone ever needed for Scala three. And then also there was times where I was like, I don't want to show people how to use VARs. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not like, that's not what I think they should be doing. And so I don't want to like have to write something about all the service area of the language. I just want to teach people like the right way to yeah. write Scala. And so we morphed it into being kind of like a ZO Scala three, a ZO two and Scala three book. And mm -hmm. we're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And, and for me, um, I, I felt like I was kind of in a rut explaining all the language features for yeah. yet another language. And um, Bill and James have been big fans of ZO for a while. And it slowly kind of started to seep into my, awareness. And I realized, oh yeah, I'm kind of bored with doing just the same yeah. old thing with, uh, you know, exploring every feature in a language again, whereas this is actually really pretty different. And so we decided, you know, why, we don't need to redo what you're doing. We can just, yeah. if we, we can just use the features, only the features we need to use right and we can go and if you want to know all of the other features in scala just look at bill's book and so it i don't know it, it just makes more sense on a lot of levels and it's much more stimulating 
at least for me. Oh, that sounds interesting. I want to, I'd like to check that one out. Yeah. Well, um, it'll be, by the way, you meant the other bill when you said bill. That's right. Bill, bill. Frazier. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I was talking bill Frazier, our, our yeah. other co-author and we have an intern working on it this summer too. So okay. that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So, so we're just going to try and look at um, the, you know, kind of the meta level of programming with effects Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just around the the whole effects systems because it does seem pretty revolutionary. Yeah. So and and quite a different way of thinking about uh, programming and and even functional programming. I think mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the well, yeah, functional programming pr- pr- provides this foundation, but now we have a system that takes advantage of that without mm-hmm. maybe without the programmer having to do all the spade work of, mm-hmm. of making that happen. So anyway, it's, I'm, I'm finding it pretty fascinating. Yeah. We're enjoying it. Oh, so now that you're traveling, you should come to the, um, we, we moved the winter tech forum to the summer. So it's really? now, when is it? this, yeah, it'll be in August. You know, I might. You should come up oh, for wait it. A minute. What, really? In August, I have a wedding in August. But when? When in August? Do you have a date? Um, I've forgotten the dates. We need to memorize the dates. We, we need to memorize the dates. And I, I'm close to getting the website up for it. It'll be um, okay. summertechforum.com. Okay. And uh, uh, summertechforum unconference. Right, but the URL is summer summertechforum.com. Okay. But it's but it's the STFU is the. Um, <laughs> WTF, which yes, right, because that's what everybody re- requested. They wanted to, they wanted to call it the STFU. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. So it's the Summer Tech Forum Unconference, but but the URL is just summertechforum.com. We'd love to have you. We'll yeah, do some fun scholar free stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, I just I miss. I think I can tell just seeing the back your backdrop. Yeah, that I very much miss Crested Butte and uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I do have a wedding that we're going to go to. That's our second trip. It's in New York in August sometime. So, uh-huh. well, uh, we'll let you know the date. See if could, it works. It could be on the way. Like if it, if it yeah, dates, right? yeah, so, yeah. And I so I, there's also the Medi- the fair, the Indiana State Fair. When I take my dad to it, uh, so oh, nice. that was uh, that could be a part of this whole grand tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Colorado, Indiana, and New York. There you go. It's possible. Sounds great. So on metaprogramming in Scala 3, one of the things that I have seen but have not played with yet is in Zeo Prelude mm-hmm. 2, so it's not out yet, um, and, and based on Scala 3 stuff, they're doing refinement types. Mm-hmm. And the way that they're doing them is pretty cool in that if you have a value at compile time... Can you explain what a refinement type is yeah. first? I Bill could probably explain it better than I can, but um, the, so if you, let's say that you have a value like a, um, a user ID and you, it's really just a string, but you want to have some type system um, information that says, that says, I'm not just a string. I am a user ID. Mm-hmm. And so that then you, it makes it harder for you to screw up passing the wrong thing to a function that takes a user ID. Cause instead of just taking a, any old string, which could be, you could give it any string. Instead you say, 
I want to take a user ID. And so then the, the people who's writing against that function, they get a lot more information from the compiler that says, Hey, you're trying to pass this thing and it's not a user ID. Like, um, but then one of the key parts of refinement types is usually that you'll have some requirements when you construct the type, uh, and, uh, some validation constraint logic, whatever. And then another piece is that ideally with refinement types, you want the type information to actually go away at runtime, uh, it, or compile out. And so it just is really just a compile time construct, but at runtime, it really is just a string. You don't want the boxing overhead of wrapping it into another class. So that's the difference between just inheriting from string and adding constructors and or wrapping in a string in a case class or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Bill, tell me what I missed about refinement. Oh, that's all right. So the Scala 2 has something called a refinement type, which is a subtype. So because Scala has subtypes, I I think of the refinement types in type theory as subtypes, but in languages that don't have subtypes, they're just called refinement types. But they're more specific. So like a string is a type, and then user ID is a string, is a subset of, like you can think of a set of all possible strings as string. That's like the name of a set. Yeah. And then the name of user ID is a set of all possible strings that are valid user IDs, which means they have to start with a letter from A to Z and they can be at most 10 characters in length or something. There's some predicate that, you know, you can apply that predicate to uh, any string. You can like pass any string to the predicate and it says true or false. Are you a user ID or not? And so the idea is to have that predicate run at compile time. So it's it's a compile time predicate. Uh, although you can do it at runtime too, and just you know get give back some or none or something like that, or throw an exception. But it's nice if it's at compile time, uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, so that so, that's so Zio Zio Prelude. What <clears throat> they're doing with with um, something in metaprogramming in Scala three and and Zio Prelude two with refinement types is you define your predicates. And if you have the value at compile time, then you get a compile time error. If you violate the predicates, right? Yeah. I think maybe like a typical refinement type, but then let's say you're getting the value at runtime via a database or something like that. Then what you get back is an option of the thing. Or right. There'll exactly. be some, some yep. way to tell you like, Hey, this thing wasn't, doesn't, didn't um, meet the, the constraints of this right. type yep. construction. And, and it's so, type still, but it's a, a some or none. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will use an either or some type so that you can get error information back or something. I don't know. But, yeah. but the nice thing is that, that it reuses the same predicate definition mm-hmm. for both compile, compile right. time yeah. constraints and runtime constraints. And yeah. that's enabled through some metaprogramming thing. In Scala so, 3, so there's something called Scalactic Anyvals, which has been out for like five years, which I wrote. And that is... Yeah. Um, that's kind of thing, but it's different. And there's a refined library in in uh, yes, level. yeah, yeah. Uh, so those are like refined is is a like liquid Haskell. That's refinement types in Haskell. Um, whereas what what Anyval's in Scalactic was was more object oriented. I thought, which is you actually have a class posint. Like what refined does, and maybe yeah. Zio, which I think is very interesting, is actually int such that. Well, x colon int such that x is less uh, greater than zero. That would be a positive right. int, right? You yeah. actually attach the at the type. The type actually kind of includes a predicate. Yeah, and yeah. they, they sort cool. of write their predicates at the type level. 
Um, and that's a dependent type because I had to say x colon int such that x is less than, or sorry, greater than zero. I keep wanting to make it negative, but x is like a term, you know? Yeah. So that that's um, what what we did was we said, well, there's just class posint extends any val, which means you don't box unless you have to. Yeah. Um, but there's a predicate and there's a whole bunch of constructors and some of them are macros so that if, if it's a literal, we can tell it compile time yeah. and it just works. Nice. Otherwise it doesn't compile if it's negative yeah. at yeah. compile time. But if, it, if you can't prove that it's positive at compile time because it's a something that's read in from a database or something, then it doesn't let you use that. It doesn't compile either. And it says, use one of these other constructors that you can get back an option. You can get back an either. Yeah. yeah. You can get back an awesome. or. You can get back a try. We have a whole bunch of these constructors depending on what you want. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I and, haven't used your Galactic Anyval stuff. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh, it was like, and the reason I thought of it that way was because you can then control the methods. So like, um, for example, posint and our posint does not have an absolute value method because that's the same thing as just saying dot value. It'll always be positive anyway. So instead of having two ways to do the same thing, I just got rid of that method. Whereas if you use this refined kind of approach, it will still have whatever method int had. Yeah. It will have. Well, and then there's like the new opaque <laughs> type aliases in, right. in Scala 3, which is also <laughs> another interesting potential piece to this of being able to hide all that stuff Hide yeah. what you want to from the underlying type. So what opaque, yeah, and opaque types is another thing I was going to mention was in Scala 3. So the problem with any vowels in Scala 2 is they box, they can box. Um, I think they only box when, I mean, I think it's worse than that, but I don't really know the details. But like if I had an int, then if I put that in a list, it would box to Java Lang integer. So if I have a posint and I make a list of posint, it will box to posint. Mm -hmm. So that's not really a loss, I don't think. Um, but there are times when it'll box that you don't want it. So what an opaque type does is it's always an int. And it will only only box when an int would box. So I think it's better than, it's more efficient as mm -hmm. far as like avoiding unnecessary boxing yeah. uh, than any vowels. And um, then there's one other thing in there, which is when you define a, an opaque type, I can say it's a subtype of something. So I can say opaque type posint subtype of int equals int. So that it, it, at runtime, it's an int. But by the way, at compile time, it's a subtype of int, which is really what the other thing we did in any vowels is we used implicit conversions to sort of implement subtyping. Hmm. And this is, you know, I think uh, simpler. It's transitive. Like, like uh, there's posint is, let's see, which one is that? Uh, a positive or zero int, posy int, is a subtype of int conceptually, and posint is a subtype of posy int. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, posint is subtype. So you see that? Yeah. Like what would be nice is if I could make an implicit conversion from posint to posy int, and then another one from posy int to int, and have it be transitive, but Scala does not stack those. So I had to make another implicit conversion from posint to int. Um, which works. I mean, we did that. We did because it was kind of a finite number. Yeah. But in, in with opaque types, and that's what I'm thinking in Scalactic, we, we might have a separate library called opaques. You know, if, if I wanted to go in that direction, this is what I want to yeah. explore. Yeah. Um, where, where we use that subtyping relationship uh, in opaque types to sort of set up this, this subtype hierarchy of refined, you know. Yeah. Have like you looked at um, 
inline <clears throat> classes in Kotlin. But which ones? Inline classes in Kotlin. I mean, it sounds some. It sounds like there's some similarities because it it's a class, but it's all at compile time. Okay, I'll have to look at that. No, yeah, I, I and it's a Kotlin. newer feature. I'm I not think... even sure if it's in the Kotlin. latest version of Kotlin or if it's okay. if it's an upcoming. I think thing. it's pretty similar to the anyvals in. Mm-hmm. I'll look at that. I don't remember that one, but I have looked at Kotlin a lot. I like it. I like its syntax, uh, mm-hmm. kind of. especially the comma. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, I wish I could have that comma. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, I have it. That's right. Just um, not, not in one case. Uh, I, I did. I thought that the in syntax is kind of elegant for Kotlin. It is. Thought, you know? Yeah. No, I've, I've been very happy with it myself. Mm. But But it doesn't have the things that we're looking at with, uh, you know, the ability to support Zio. Yeah, it's not, to... it really was the better Java. And, and Scala yeah. was an attitude to, to promote functional programming. And Kotlin, you know, even though maybe you can try it or do it that way, it's not the same goal. That was my impression, is they were yes. trying to really... I would call it a much better Java. Java++. Yeah, plus plus. yeah for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but it sure. doesn't. Sure what's that? Plus plus says James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but much better Java, I, I think. Yeah, that, that's a, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, I I think that's that's what. But I mean, the fact that they decided to compromise with the, you know, with returning null means failure, or or yeah, I mean, basically. Rather than being able to support um, monads like Scala does, yeah, that's it's it's a it's a good compromise for Java programmers yeah. and for backwards compatibility with Java. Yep. But at some point, you go, "Wow, it'd be nice to have this this better support for." Well, and they've they've pretty, I think. Uh, stated very clearly that they are not going to go the route of adding like monadic error return yep. types because that's not their goal, you right. know, like it, or not in line with their goal. Whereas their, their goal really is in a lot of ways, a better Java, a better and, Java with real easy compatibility with Java, yeah. And yeah. which, which Scala didn't achieve, but their goal is not melding functional and OO. Mm-hmm which leads you on right. a different, much mm-hmm. different path. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Both of which are valuable. Yeah. Sure. For sure. People. Yeah. It is interesting though, to like see the tension in a lot of those decisions in Kotlin because I've, I see it come up over and over again where people are like, Oh, uh, I want a, a, um, I want a return type that models the success and failure uh, as a, a sum and um, S U M and, yeah. and people are like, Nope, that's not how you do it in Kotlin. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, I get frustrated with that because I want to do it like I do it in Scala. Mm-hmm. And I see other people like it's, it seems in some ways like you, you head down some of these r- roads and it, does get a little slippery slopey into more heavy functional programming. And then all of a sudden you're into like monads and effect systems and like, Oh God, like how did we get here? Um, and so I can kind of see like Kotlin's resistance to, 
Like, all right, we're just, we're going to not let you start sliding down that slippery slope. They made a lot of really conscious decisions around those things. And yeah, I mean, when we were writing the book, Svetlana would say sometimes she would go, nope, that's not where Scala goes. That's not where Kotlin goes. No, sorry. That's not where Kotlin goes. And (laughs) And it was obviously very clear that there had been a decision, you know, it wasn't like they didn't know about these things. Right. They did. And they said, no, that doesn't fit. You know, I, and I think the, the easy compatibility with Java was just, you know, it was, it was very much like what happened with C plus plus and the backwards compatibility, you know, people look at C plus plus now and they go, Oh, it was badly designed, but no, it wasn't. It was very carefully designed, but it had that constraint of backwards compatibility with C hung around its neck the whole time. And so um, without, if you don't understand that, it it can look like, why would people make a decision like this? And it was always that. And I think um, with Kotlin, that easy uh, interaction with Java added some constraints. But but in general, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's a successful language and it's going to continue to be successful. But you can't do some of the things that you can do with Scala for sure. And you mean Kotlin? Kotlin can't do some of the things that Scala can do. Yep. For sure. So yeah, it's been an interesting uh, trip. How do you feel about the future of Scala with Scala, Scala three? Do you think there's going to be some kind of reinvigoration of energy into it? Are you hopeful? What's, what are you feeling about it? Right now? Uh, I think there'll definitely be some reinvigoration of energy, but I also think a lot of people won't upgrade for a very long time just because it's like the payoff is not uh, worth the risk in their estimation. So we need to support it's it, it, uh, Scala 2 for, for uh, mm. a long time until people are not using it anymore. I think like what... Uh, this was like my main concern. I was on, on the advisory board of the Scala Center for a few years now. And that's been my, I've been like, like a broken record talking about like migration, you know, and helping people migrate and compatibility and that kind of like. Whatever so, happened to the tool that they were working on to make it easier to migrate code from Scala to Scala? Scala fix. Yeah. And it's, we use it is Scala fix yeah. now. Like that. Uh, I, f- I feel like at one point they were working on their own tool, but now it's just. Well, there's also um, the compiler itself has a rewrite. Uh, you can rewrite it from old, like uh, hmm. curly braces to indentation, okay, uh, things like that, which is um, pretty amazing. And, um, and so, so anyway, they've really tried to like make upgradability easier. Yeah, but yeah, there's a whole ecosystem that needs to move along. Well, so there's there, there there's that story. I can we should talk a little bit about that because what what uh, so first of all, one difference between Python and Scala. One thing that's similar is it was two and three. Yeah. So one one thing that someone suggested, really let's just skip three and go to four. <laughs> Call it four. Anyway, it's so, so two that there aren't drawn parallels between. Yes. Them. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the uh, big difference is types, right? So Python two code did not have types. Python Scala two code does. So there's a lot more like that you can do to automatically automate this stuff, and also it just reduces the risk that when you you know something by hand if you compile it you know if it compiles it deploy it <laughs> eh, well that that's the question i mean it's uh so then there's just all kinds of attempts at, at uh, compatibility so one of them is 
the standard library of Scala 3.0 is exactly the same standard library, the exact bits as Scala 2.13. We discovered this in one of our hack sessions for the book. We, we were like clicked through into a Scala class and it took us to the Scala 2 standard library. We're like, no, IntelliJ must be wrong. That can't be yeah. right. And then we like looked in and we're like, oh my God, no, it is just the Scala 2 standard library, right. which is pretty amazing. That, yeah, that so that's works. a big deal, I think. Yeah. So Guido, I remember he was like, he was blogging on our team and he said, I'm, he got rid of an operator. I forget which one it was, but um, essentially in Scala 3, it's, you know, upgrading from 2.13 to 3.0 is just dealing with the language, not with the standard library to start with. And so that's one thing. And then there's this thing called Tasty, which um, one of the problems with Scala was, um, I wouldn't call it problems, features um, and challenges is that um, when you, binary compatibility from one release to another. So the way Scala did it is any, let's say major minor point, I think is what we call the third one. So like 3.1.2. Zero and three point one point one. Those are forwards and backwards binary compatible by the, at the compiler level, which means I, as you know, a library person in the in the ecosystem, I can just compile against three point one point. It doesn't matter which one I use, and people can use it with any three point one point x. But then when three point two comes along, we have to rebuild, so it's a lot more work. Um, so in, in now there's this this intermediate. They 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 put in more information in the class files and it uh it helps that binary compatibility uh it makes it a lot better so that 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 uh means that you can actually use a library compiled with 213 in scala 3.0 yeah it works now whereas it didn't before huh. and that's just gonna like one of the things that's really been a pain point for scala in industry is you know when people have big projects they end up having a hundred dependencies and it takes forever to get them all upgraded to just the next minor release like from 2.12 right. uh, to 2.13 or whatever yeah. and now that'll be easier because you can mix you don't have to have them all upgraded nice. um, so i think that's a huge improvement and that's one of the things you get with the tasty it's called um so there's a lot of i mean the compatibility story is pretty strong uh but still is it like a if i'm a you know, a company and I've got a bunch of big code base. I'm in, not in a real big hurry to upgrade, just like let other people upgrade, get all the bugs out, whatever, yeah. you know, listen, hear stories. So it's well, maybe, maybe uh, the, <laughs> when we get to 3.1, that's when there's more real value for people is when, when the standard library is rewritten for 3.0 yeah. features, right? Like the, the type classes and type, type class derivation libraries come up that you want to use right that use those new features in the language too yeah Yeah. Um, i think that zo2 is going to only be scala 3 but see that that makes sense from a library developer's perspective because it's a pain to support all these different uh versions so right and so our our book (laughs) might be something that helps people be motivated to move yeah to scala 3 yeah Well, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I think it's fun times ahead. I'm, I, I'm glad, very thankful for what you've done in the Scala community with Scala Test and Scalactic and your book. And you've, you've definitely taught me a lot. So it's, I'm, I'm grateful for that and look forward to Scala 3 and reading your book, your new book. And 
hopefully we can get you up here to Crested Butte. Yeah, I'd love to come join you guys. Uh, I really miss you, actually. Now yeah, yeah, we miss you too. Actually, apparently, I miss the wall behind you more than you guys, but because uh, you <laughs> that wall and the painting and the color of the wall. It is a nice wall. Bruce did yeah. a good job on that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think it's, uh, you know, the pandemic has been, uh, that's one thing I, I noticed is, is just uh, how much I miss seeing people at conferences, for example. Yeah. Yep. Um, Running into you in Europe somewhere, wherever it may yeah. be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, we we'll have to do some of that this year. Yes. Yes. Bill, definitely. Hmm. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah. It was sure, good. I really appreciate your time and getting to see you. Yeah. I hope you thought to press record. <laughs> oh, <laughs> darn it. 